0: How great thou art indeed. Amen? Amen. Church, grab your Bible. Turn to the book of John, chapter 21. The book of John, chapter 21. When you get there, you can go to verse 1. If you're using that pew Bible there in front of you, it's on page 1250. John, chapter 21. We'll read from that here in just a minute. Church, I'll let you know one of the uh, most asked questions here lately is, Jeff, how are you doing? And I'll just let you know that tomorrow I'll have an answer to that. I go back to the uh, orthopedics, and they're going to take all kinds of pictures and see how we're doing, and I'll owe you an update on that. Probably the second most asked question that I get these days, both in our church family and from within the community as I'm out and about is, Jeff, after you heal from your fall, will you run again? You know, I was ambivalent for a while. Hurting and fearing can sometimes keep you down. Amen? And you're going, Jeff, are you still talking about running? Maybe. But after some time to think about it, And after reliving the fall, the other day we were driving. We were coming back from Huntsville, and Angela needed to go by the center, and so we were coming from Flat Creek, and then we took a, a turn onto Sulphur Springs Road, and then we got Sulphur Springs Road, and then got on what is that, 130, and then we had to turn onto Coney Island Road in order to make our way back to the center. Coney Island Road is the scene of the crime. (laughs) And as we were driving onto this road, she said, have you been on this road since you fell? And I said, no, but thank you for reminding me. (laughs) And so after thinking about it and after reliving the fall and after seeing so much of my life tied to running, yeah, I'm going to run again. I'll run again for at least three reasons. One is, I love running. I don't know why. I just do. Second reason, probably more important than the first, is I love eating. And do you know they go hand in hand? The more I run, the more I can eat. And so I love eating. But let me tell you what's probably landed on me most recently as the third and maybe the most important reason while I will run again is I cannot allow my running to end face down on Coney Island Road. Have you ever fallen while running? And you're going, Jeff, are we still talking about physical running? Well, maybe. Let me ask that question differently. Have you ever failed at something you were good at or something you enjoyed? Has that failure ever cost you in a big way? And after that failure and after that cost, have you ever thought, well, maybe it's over? Well, let me ask that differently again. Is there something that you should be doing in and with your life right now that you are not doing because of some Past fall. Jeff, are we still talking about running? Not at all. Are you allowing a failure of the past to cause you to not get back up and run? To do what God has laid you, laid on your heart to do? Are you allowing that? to cause you to stay down. Speaking of staying down, let's stand up. We're going to read from John chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 to 17 of John chapter 21. And it reads as follows. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, that they might that, that, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, now Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. Now the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, a fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not yet broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised up from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to them, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Thank you, church. You may sit down. Keep your scripture open. If you're a note taker, I've got some other scriptures I'm going to be alluding to, turning to, and sharing as we walk through this. But verse 1 starts in chapter 21 of John after these things. Let's just make sure we understand this is after the crucifixion, after the burial, after the resurrection, after Jesus had met with the disciples in chapter 20, verse 19, after receiving the Holy Spirit, chapter 20, verse 22, after meeting with Jesus a second time in John chapter 20, verses 26 to 29, and after Thomas, doubting Thomas, touches Jesus. Jesus, and comes to say, my Lord and my God. It was after all of these things. Now let me just read these couple of verses right here. I'm in John chapter 20. You don't have to turn there, but it's right there on your page. 30 and 31. The two verses just before today. It says here, John chapter 20, verse 30 says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Church, let me start by telling you, after these things, after all that had happened up to this moment we're reading about, after these things, can I just apply this to you? Right now. After these things would be where you are right now, looking back at all of the things in your life after these things. Scripture says all of this that was written by John and in God's Word is written so that you may believe and have life in Jesus. Do you know that when you fall down, hurt yourself, and think about whether you're going to get up again? You know, you're deciding whether you're going to live life or not. God's Word is given to us so that we will recognize that we are to have life, to get up, to move forward with Jesus. Amen? After these things, verse 1 tells us, Jesus shows Himself to the disciples again. If you read Scripture, this is the third time. And verse 1 sort of leads us to believe that Jesus is painting this picture. If you notice, it talks about in verse 1, Jesus showed himself, and then the story begins with the detail. It's verses 2 and 3 of John chapter 21. Peter and six other disciples decide to go fishing. Actually, if you're really careful about reading the Scripture, Peter decides to go fishing, and six other disciples, some which are named and some which are unnamed, choose to go with him. They go and they fish all night, Verse 3 says that they caught nothing all night. Morning arrives, and so does Jesus arriving on the shore. And he hollers to them. Now, I read it nice and politely, but you have to understand, Jesus is on the shore. We you know, not everybody here has been to the beach, but if you go to the beach and you stand a good ways off on the sand and your family member or your friend, they're off in the waves, you can't just go, hey guys, how you doing? No, you got to holler at them. And Jesus is getting their attention. He says, hey, did you catch anything? And the disciples go, no. Been fishing all night. Did you catch anything? They say no. This person on the beach, and they do not yet know that this person is Jesus, tells them, cast your net on the right side. You know what they did? They did it. Stranger on the beach tells them, hey, cast your net on the right side. And they do it. And verse 6 says that they caught a multitude of fish. And verse 7, all of a sudden, John, who's known as the one that Jesus loved, the author of this gospel, but the one that Jesus loved, John says, ah, it's Jesus. All of a sudden, everything in John's mind just gets to a point where he goes, it's Jesus, and he tells Peter. And verse 7 says that when Peter finds out it's Jesus, he puts his coat on, because when he's fishing, he's probably in his, it's okay to get wet clothes. And he puts his coat on to be respectful, and then jumps in the water and makes it to Jesus. It said that there were 200 cubits, so he's probably... That far off the shore, I was getting ready to try to do the math and turn it into yards and all that stuff, but it was probably 150 yards or something like that out there. But Peter comes and he does this, and he left Peter, he left everybody else struggling, six disciples who had been fishing, caught nothing all night, now have a net full on the right side of what we now to be know is 153 fish, and they're struggling to get it in. But Peter goes, I got to go, boys. And he puts his jacket on and he jumps into the ocean and he gets to Jesus just as fast as he can. You see, Peter had other things on his mind. And the number one thing that Jesus had on, that Peter had on his mind, it's obviously what I have on my mind, is Jesus. So let's just stop for just a second. Have you ever noticed that Peter, the fisherman, was not a very good fisherman? Have you ever noticed that? Nearly every fish we see Peter catch, since we get introduced to him, Jesus had to tell him where it was. Right? Think about this. We don't ever hear about Peter just bringing in the fish. And so, write this passage down. In Luke chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. I'm going to read this. Luke chapter 5. You can just write this down. It says, And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Peter, every time Peter has a good fishing day, it's because Jesus provided the catch. Amen? Amen? Caught no fish until Jesus. And in Luke chapter 5, he confesses Jesus in that moment. Jesus doing the miracle he just showed the disciples was a great reminder to Peter. You see, fast forward, Luke chapter 5 is before, after all these things. You guys get what I just said? This is in ministry before the crucifixion. Now, Peter's afterwards, and Jesus is going, number one, let me show him how to catch some fish. And John goes, that's Jesus. And Peter goes, I need to see Jesus. And he runs out. And he goes to see Jesus. It's interesting. Peter returned to fishing after all that had happened during the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection. And there's a lot of people that wonder, why'd Peter go back to fishing? Some say maybe it was because he had to provide for his family. Perhaps Peter was returning to what used to be. Did you know that when a man doesn't have a vision for his future, he will return to his past? Now, I didn't say that as a man meaning males only male or female, in this room, when we don't have a vision for where God wants us to go, we will fall back to where we've been. Perhaps Peter went fishing because he was struggling. Think about that. When you struggle, where do you turn? Where do you go? Typically, it's to something Familiar, something close, something that you think you're fairly good at, even though Scripture teaches us that Peter was a lousy fisherman. But Peter went back to it, struggling. I started thinking, well, why would Peter be struggling? Well, if you're a note-taker, John chapter 18, you don't have to go there, I'm just going to summarize it, but John chapter 18 is the scripture where Peter denied Christ three times. You're with him. No, I'm not. You're with him. No, I'm not. You're with him. I'm telling you for the last and final time, I do not even know who that man is. And then the rooster crowed. And scripture teaches that in that moment, Peter and Jesus make eye contact. Have you ever failed and then felt the guilt of that failure? Have you ever struggled to move forward in your life because of a failure that you've encountered? Peter went fishing. Returning to fishing was Peter returning to his past. He may have thought this was his only choice. You see, Peter had left fishing for Jesus. Now he returns to fishing, which could be symbolic to Peter saying, now that I'm no longer worthy to follow Jesus. Have you ever allowed your sin or a failure to make you think, that it's wrecked your relationship with the Lord. Verse 9. They get back to shore, Jesus had cooked breakfast. Bread and fish. It's exactly what I want to eat early in the morning. But look at this. Verse 9 says that Jesus had cooked breakfast. Verse 9 describes that he had cooked the breakfast... On a fire of coals. A fire of coals. Now this word or this phrase, it's a phrase in ours, but it's a word in original language. This word, a fire of coals, is only used one other time in the Gospel of John. One other time. And that one other time is in John chapter 18, verse 18. It says this, Peter stood with the others outside where Jesus was war- outside of where Jesus was, warming themselves around a fire of coals. Not only is Jesus reminding Peter and the disciples, hey, did you catch anything? Like he's the source of all catch. And he is. But now they show up to breakfast, and Jesus is going, okay, Peter... Anything symbolic here? Fire of coals? Denial? Speech. Happening right now. Jesus was, I believe, intentionally reminding Peter of that night. Of that failure. Now we're getting ready to find that God never reminds us of our failure or of our sin as a way of rubbing our nose into it. Scripture teaches that I'm so thankful. That the Holy Spirit of God, that the Word of God, they remind us of our sin so that we can be forgiven, redeemed, so that we can move on and forward and get back up and run again. And so Jesus is setting all of this up. Fisher of fish, fisher of men. Fire of coals, bringing back the denial of what Peter had done. Because Jesus knows, more than maybe even Peter knows, how much Peter is likely struggling. Can I tell you today that if your sin or a failure from the past or if you're caught in something right now that you're going, yeah, I'm here, but I'm really not here because I'm so caught up in whatever this is. Jesus knows more about it than you do. And today, He lovingly is going to set up all of the activities in your life to bring you face-to-face with this fall. With this failure. Failure not so that he is a me-too-pile-on kind of person, but so that he can show you how to let it go. We know that this is true. Everything I just conjectured because of the conversation that takes place in today's Scripture. Peter even mentions this in Acts chapter 10, When he's leading the church, he mentions this moment. This is a meal that Jesus intended to have. And this is a meal that Peter needed desperately. Verse 15 says, now after breakfast. So all the disciples are coming. There's seven disciples. Then there's Jesus and they have this breakfast. So it says, after breakfast. Jesus spoke to Peter, and in the presence of the others, there is nothing here that leads us to believe that Jesus said, Hey, Pete, come on over here. Let's you and I sort of have a one-on-one. Everything leads us to believe, including Scripture that we're going to get to, that Jesus had this conversation with Peter in front of everybody. Everybody. Because Jesus knew that not only is this a conversation that Peter needed to have, but it's a conversation that the other disciples needed to have. Because if we go back and read Scripture on the night that Jesus was arrested, they all ran. We pick on Peter because Peter was the one that Jesus used as the example. But they all ran. Nobody was close. This conversation for Peter was also intended for the disciples. But can I share with you one thing that I believe? I believe that this conversation that Jesus is about to have with Peter was for you as well. It's for each one of us. Jesus said in verse 15, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, We could analyze this just a second. And Jesus could be asking Peter if Peter loved Jesus more than Peter thought the other disciples loved Jesus. If you remember that night that Peter, Peter bulked up and he said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. He said, they might, everybody else might, but I will not. You know what Peter was saying there? Jesus, I love you more. He'd put himself on a position of going, I love you more. And Jesus could be saying in this moment, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you still believe that you hold the key and have the ability to love me more than they do? Do you still think that you are beyond reproach? That could be a reasonable way to look at this question. Jesus could be saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? Meaning, Peter, you look around. These are your closest people. Do you love me more than you love them? Peter, you've got to decide. Now, I don't know which one for certain. I just know that both are appropriate in life. Let me read another scripture to you. You can write this down. I'm going to Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to read verses 31 to 33. Matthew 26, starting in verse 31, says this, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered and said to them, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. I chat with young married couples before they get married at times and we have conversations and I look at them and I go, how long are you planning on being married? Well, they look at me like, well, hold it, there's only one answer, right? We're going to be married till death do us part, forever we're going to be married. And do you know that in that moment, they mean it. I've never had a young couple sit on my couch going, well... We're hoping we might be able to squeak five or six years out of this. That's never the attitude, right? We always know, no matter what, that we're going to be in it forever. And yet statistics show that many people aren't in it forever. That shows that we mean well, but if we don't do well, it can all fall apart. That's just in our marriages. Have you ever found that to be true In your Jesus life. Verse 15. Peter, do you love me more than these? Verse 15, Peter, you said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, said, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter might have thought, Whew, that wasn't bad at all. Have you ever felt guilty and you knew that there was going to come a time when you were going to have to face it? And then when you faced it, it wasn't as bad as you thought. Peter may have taken a sigh and go, I thought that was going to be much harder than it was. Verse 16, Jesus continues on, Simon, do you love me? Jesus is asking Peter nearly the question that had been asked and answered already. And Peter responds in verse 16, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, tend my sheep. Verse 17, yet a third time. Simon, do you love me? Scripture teaches us that this now is becoming unbearable for Peter. It says that he is now grieved because of this question a third time. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three questions from Jesus to Peter. Three denials from Peter about Jesus. And Jesus in his own way is saying, yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, that's one. Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, that's two. Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, that's three. They're all gone, Peter. Let them go. They're all gone. Jesus, in this moment, is restoring Peter from his sin. Jesus is putting Peter back to work, back to kingdom work. Jesus goes out of his way on this morning to clear the air with Peter. He does not leave earth, which he will soon, without Peter first knowing that Peter is forgiven and that God still has a place for him to serve him. Aren't you glad? Maybe you have a sin that you believe or that Satan is seeking to convince you, separate you from God. A sin that makes you unfit for service, unable to serve or be used by God. Well, let me share with you a few verses that... That I shared on Wednesday night, but they just they just they're just so good. I want to share with you again with more about what God does with your sin. I'm gonna run them off real fast. So you and if you're a note taker, just write down the passage. Don't try to turn there. Psalm 103, 12 says this as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. East and west, they never come together. That's a far away. Isaiah 1.18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Jesus said, that stain, I can get it out. Isaiah Isaiah 38.17. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Micah seven nineteen, He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. 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 We study Psalm 32. You might want to put that down. I want to go back and study Psalm 32. That's where David is restored. Nathan, God, brings it back up. You know the worst sins in the world are the unconfessed ones. Let me tell you, when it comes to Jesus, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter your guilt level. Jesus has come so that you can be redeemed and put back to kingdom work because of that. And Jesus is using Peter as an example because who do we best look like? Most of the time I look a whole lot like Peter. Meanwhile, speak first, fall down, go boom. but I don't want you to miss another point that Jesus is seeking to make. Because right now, let me step back before I make that second point. If you're allowing your sin to cause you to stay down, not serve, not become active, not be faithful, if you're allowing your sin to separate you in any way, God doesn't know what you're talking about if you know Jesus. Those sins... Behind the back, depths of the sea, east, is from the west, blot them out, they're gone. Jesus is going, why do you keep bringing that up? I don't know what you're talking about because I chose through my son to not remember that sin any longer. Do you know the only person still dragging that sin around is you? If you know Jesus, that sin is gone. And perhaps today... You need to get up. Yeah, you fail. And yeah, it hurts. And it takes a long time to get better. And Jeff, are we still talking about you and running? Maybe. But I'm here to tell you that what God is telling you through this passage, through His example, through Peter is, wherever you've been, Jesus said, my blood is enough for that. Get back up and keep going. Now, here's the other point that I don't want us to miss in this, that Jesus would taught them. And if we just leave that there, that's a great sermon. But Jesus didn't just leave it there. When we confess our love for Jesus, when we have true love, Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. You know what Jesus is saying? Peter, your love for me will result in action. Do you know Jesus never intended for our Christian walk to be about professing love for him and sitting down. Jesus said, Peter, the reason I'm redeeming you is because there's a purpose that I have for you and that this world needs to know about me because they're all still laying in the middle of Coney sorry, went back to me for a second, they're still laying in their sin and they need to get back up and realize I took care of that Jesus is clearly telling his followers that love is and action. First John chapter 3 verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Jesus calls for action to accompany our faith, giving meaning and purpose for our Christian lives. Does your claim to love Jesus match the life that you're living? Because if your claim to love Jesus is not matching the life that you're living, the chances are great that you're allowing sin in some way to cause you to stay down. And Jesus is telling Peter, get back up. I told you, Peter. When you came to follow me that I would make you a fisher of men, why do you still insist on getting back in that boat and doing something that you're not good at? When Peter, I can make you so good at what I've called you to do. In John chapter 15, last scripture. Verses 1 to 5, Jesus said this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus said this, I am the vine you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. Yeah. Peter couldn't even catch a fish because he was separated from Jesus. This moment changed Peter's life. This moment can change your life. It's the truth. Your sin is not greater than the power of the blood of Jesus. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, that sin is gone. And if you're still dragging it around, you need to let it go. Amen? Amen. Because see, Satan, we studied in Sunday school. We're studying temptation for the next few weeks. Satan would love to remind you, just pick it all up drag it around. Just drag it around. Don't ever let it go. That is not God saying that. God said, the blood of my son took care of that. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to pray together. and Then we're going to have a time of commitment, a time of invitation. This altar is here should you desire in any way, shape, or form to publicly allow the world to see that you're making a decision about something. We don't have to know what it is, but it's encouraging to know that you're not alone in feeling the need to let something go. If there's something that I can do to walk with you, I'm right here. Or if you want to mark on that worship register, Hey Jeff, I need to chat with you about something. We'll find that time to chat. Whatever the Spirit of God, using the Word of God, is encouraging you to do right now, I pray that's what you do. I pray that's what you do. Let's pray.